Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now with today's message. If you need a Bible, uh, please raise your hand. We'll get one to you. We want you to have the Word of God in your lap as we study it, as we go through it. If you're at home, go find your Bible. Get it. Get it. Have it ready. Okay? Uh, we would, like, again, like you to have the Word of God in your lap as we study God's Word. For the past several weeks, Pastor Tim has been taking us through uh, the book of 1 Timothy and how it relates to how the church should function, the house rules as it is, um, and it's been an awesome study. I mean, have you guys been here? I mean, has God been speaking to you through that? I mean, it has been awesome, I know, in my life. And so just a reminder, we're getting pretty close. We, we were in chapter 6 last, last week, and we're getting close to finishing that book. So as, as we do, whenever we finish a book of the Bible, um, we allow you guys to come up and share. So, Share Sunday is coming in the next several weeks. So, be thinking about that. If you feel like the Lord's laying it on your heart to share what He's been doing in your life, man, I encourage you, please come up here and share that with the body. I mean, we see iron sharpening iron through that and how we hear that the Lord is moving in people's lives and it encourages us and spurs us on to good work. So, don't be afraid uh, if, you don't, if you don't like getting up in front of people and talking. I, I, I don't like getting up in front of people and talking, and look out, okay? So, um, you know, <laughs> if the Lord has shared something with you and you really feel like he's tugging on your heart, please let uh, Pastor Tim know. And, again, if you don't want to come up here, again, we can use video. You can you know, use your phone and record the video. We'll put it up there. There's lots of ways we can do that. Don't. Don't think for a moment that if the Lord is putting something on your heart that, oh, I got nothing to share and nobody will really be impacted by this. Man, please share what the Lord is telling you. And then, so last week in 1 Timothy 6, we, we looked at, um, Tim took us through the beginning part of that where we looked at a whole slave and master relationship and really the employee-employer relationship and how and what the scriptures say and how we are to be in the workplace, right? And if you recall, as Christians, as believers, we're supposed to be the best workers, right? We should rise above everyone else in our workplaces. Why? Because we work for the Lord, right? We, we work for the Lord. We don't work for ourselves or money or climbing the ladder or position or any of those other things. We work and serve the Lord. And, and in the study last week, if you recall, and some of you guys were paying attention, some of you may not, I don't know, okay? Pastor Tim mentioned a guy named Onesimus, and he was a slave that had stole some stuff from his master, Philemon, and then he fled his master. He escaped from him. He left him. And back in, that, back in Paul's time, in this, that, was, you know, that was a big no-no. I mean, you could be crucified for that, for doing that kind of a thing. So Paul, uh, Pastor Tim challenged us. He says, hey, you know what? Jot it down, write it down, look at it later. Why don't you look at the book of Philemon on your own? As you know, good shepherd, steward, I'm like, all right, I'll, yeah. Thankfully, I was doing that <laughs> when I got the phone call from Tim, and he said, hey, by the way, I need you to teach Sunday. I'm like, oh, cool. How about we go through the book of Philemon? Awesome. Okay, so it's, it's really cool how you know, the Lord knows the beginning from the end. He, he knows all that, and he, he had this all orchestrated before time even began. So we're going to see this morning how Paul is going to use his time with Onesimus to lead him to the Lord, and then we're going to see what happens there. So I've entitled the message this morning, Forgive, Even as the Lord has Forgiven You. So stand with me, and we'll read through the first part of this letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. In verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Apphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Verse 4, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Let's pause right here and we'll pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father God, that it's your word that changes people's lives. It's your word that changes the hearts of men. 
So, Father, I, I do pray for that this morning, Lord. We pray for a fresh outpouring of your Spirit upon each and every person listening today, Lord, that they won't just hear your word, Father God, that will hear from you, Lord, and want to be changed by the power of your word today. Lord, taking your word to the point of application in our very lives. Thank you in advance, Lord, for what you're going to do today through the power of your word. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be, be seated. So we see here in the beginning um, who the writer is. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul is writing this letter to Philemon. And this is very interesting. We're going to go through this uh, as we go through the whole book today. Um, it shouldn't take us, like I said, just five hours. It shouldn't be bad. So just um, a brief letter that Paul wrote. And Paul, as a lot, as we see Paul a lot throughout the whole New Testament, he's in prison again, you know. And, uh, you know, as things keep going the way they're going, we may all be in prison and writing a lot of letters to people. So, hey, don't let your circumstances deter you from doing what God's called you to do. Here we see Paul in prison writing this letter to Philemon. We probably know that from Acts in verse 28, 30 and 31. Uh, then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came in, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So Paul is under what they call like house arrest. He's He's, he can't leave his home just like all of you can't right now either. So he's in house arrest. And again, a prisoner. Notice he says that he calls himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ in verse 1 in Philemon. Paul never considered himself a prisoner of Rome. He didn't consider himself a prisoner of, him, of his circumstances. Oh, I just... Man, if I just get through this, then I'll be able to minister to the Lord. Then I'll be able to serve the Lord. If I just get through whatever, fill in the blank, then, then I'll be able to serve the Lord. No, that wasn't Paul's heart. We never see that being Paul's heart, letting his circumstances dictate what happens in his life. He always said, I'm a prisoner for Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter where I'm at, what's going on, I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice in verse 1 again, he writes this to Philemon. Philemon, this is a Christian brother. He's living in Colossae, where, you know, Colossae or Coloss, how you say that? It's in where, you know, the letter to the Colossians, this is in th that area. Uh, he, and he's in the place, and this is the only place really in the New Testament that Philemon is ever mentioned by name. But we do see here that Paul calls him a beloved friend. You guys got some beloved friends in your life? Do you guys have people in your life that really speak to you that you call beloved friends? I mean, several of you here were beloved friends serving alongside each other, the Lord together. And it kind of leads us to ask the question or begs us to ask the question is, you know, who are your beloved friends? Who are your friends, right? You know, who do you spend the most time with? Who do you hang around with the most? Are they believers in the Lord Jesus Christ or are they unbelievers? You know, as as Christians, we need to be careful with our friendships. We need to be careful of who we are always hanging around and who we are allowing to influence our lives. You know, in the areas of friendships and also in the, in the covenant of marriage, you know, the Lord tells us through Scripture to not be unequally yoked. And that's in uh, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Okay, <laughs> enough said, right? What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has the believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell with them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So now, is it wrong to hang out with unbelievers? No, right? No. Okay, absolutely not. I mean, Jesus, we see Jesus multiple times in Scripture, hanging out with harlots, <laughs> hanging out with tax collectors, right? But it's very important to take note of you know, that we need to be like Jesus in those situations in the fact that he did not partake or participate in what they were doing. 
Okay, he had dinner with them. He hung out with them because he had a heart and love for those people to reach out to them. But he did not partake in what they are doing. And so often as, as Christians, if we're not careful with who we're hanging around, again, that, that happens sometimes. If we're not careful, we don't have our guard up. So Paul's friendship with Philemon has shown something very significant miss, that's really missing in the greeting. And out of all of Paul's letters that he wrote to people, to churches, to individuals, a lot of times, what did he say? You guys know? He says, my name is Paul, right? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And uh, in, in 1 Timothy, the book that we've been going through, Pastor Tim has been taking us through, 1 Timothy verse 1 says that, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Did you notice that that is missing from this, the letter here to Philemon? Okay, so this letter to Philemon, also Philippians, First and Second Thessalonians, it's missing. That is something that is missing from the greeting. Why? Well, it's this is more of a personal letter directly to Philemon from Paul. Notice also that Paul greets his whole family in, in this letter in verse 2. Look at verse 2 in Philemon. To the beloved Aptia, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the beloved Aptia. Okay, no, I don't know anybody named Aptia. Anybody here? No? Okay. You know, we don't use that name today. It is a feminine name. It's a female name. So this, most commentators believe this was Philemon's wife. Um, and Archippus was probably, most, again, most people you know, lead to think that it was probably their son. So we see this letter is really addressing their whole family as well as the church in their house. Some translations even have this verse as to our sister, Aptia. Again, all of the members uh, he's addressing. And it's very important when we look at the context here in a little bit, why he is addressing this. Paul is going to talk about this guy, Onesimus. Okay, Onesimus is a runaway slave. Well, during this time, it was customary for uh, the woman to be the overseer of the slaves in the household because they were usually doing household-type chores and household-type things. And so the wife... Aphia here was really the supervisor or overseer of the slaves. So that's why it's important that uh, Paul addresses her in the beginning. And he also says to the church in your house, again, the house church, home churches, you know, man, uh, we, we might be going back to a lot of home churches here before, <laughs> before long, uh, the way things uh, seem to be going. But whatever, yeah, whatever God uses, you know, he can do anything. I mean, you, even early on, you know, here, the earliest Christians, the earliest churches, they met in homes. They didn't have buildings like, like this and sound systems and lighting and uh, they didn't have all that stuff, right? Really, you know, Jews had synagogues, and, but, but really most Christians met in their homes. Even today, the, the home churches in, in China that are growing exponentially, exponentially. If you look into what is going on around the world People are meeting in their homes over in the, in the Middle East. I mean, Muslims coming to the Lord, I mean, every single day. And they're meeting in private at like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, just in, in privacy in these homes. And they, it doesn't matter. You don't need a building. Okay? You don't need a building to, to work and meet in and to, to, be, to call yourself a Christian, right? This, the, the church really is the body of Christ. This is just... This is just a building that the, allow, that the Lord allows us to use. But house churches are very important. Home churches, home fellowships are very important. Listen to some of these other scriptures, and I'll, they'll be up here. Romans 16.5, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Ephanatus, who is the first fruits of Achaia, to Christ. Also, Colossians 4.15, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphas, and the church that is in his house. So again, lots of home churches. Uh, lots of home churches. Uh, up to the third century, there, again, there was not a lot of people that had buildings or money enough to be able to afford a church building. A lot of times what happened is they would meet in their home and then later on that family would move out and donate the church, donate their home, and that would become the very early church buildings. And they would move out and move into another home. So it's really neat to see how, how that, that all took place and what we see happening there. So 
Philemon obviously had a church that met in his home. And it suggests really that as believers, our homes should be a church, right? Our homes should be a healthy church. What do I mean by that? What are are some characteristics of a healthy church? Well, it should consist of believing people, right? Saves people. Uh, Worshiping together, right? Studying God's Word together. Oversight. Who, who is the manager of the home? The father, right? The father is the pastor of his home. Teaching of God's Word. Again, always important. And with a heart to minister to those that are outside the body. Outreach. To reach out to other people. You know, the, the church is really the only organization that exists for the benefit of the non-member. <laughs> Our mindset is for the benefit of of the, non, of the non-member, the, the non-believer, right? That's our goal, is to reach people for Jesus Christ. Obviously, we want to teach and disciple and <laughs> raise each other up to go out, but the, the whole idea behind all that is to go out, to inspire you guys up to go out there and do that, to go outside these four walls into the mission field. And again, even though our home fellowships are on break for the holidays, man, they have been... They, they were going, they're really awesome. If you have not involved in a home fellowship, as we start those back up in January, I, I really encourage you to come alongside and, and just be a part of that. I mean, discipleship has been taking place. I mean, just fellowship that is really awesome. And it's just been such a great time. Acts 2.42 is really the model for the early church. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer. Man, it's really awesome. How awesome is it for the brethren to dwell together in unity? That's in Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Okay, that's enough of my plug for home fellowships. Bottom line, get involved. (laughs) Okay? All right. Back to our text this morning. In verse 3, Paul continues on in verse 3 in Philemon. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gives his, his customary greeting here, grace and peace. It's found in just about all of his letters. You know, and this greeting is a little different, and again, that it was not really directed to a bunch of people, really, but really to just Philemon and his family here. And maybe you've heard it said before, but Paul's customary greeting of, of grace and peace right? Grace always, always comes first, and then he follows with peace. Why? You know, you can, you can never experience the peace of God without fully comprehending God's grace. If you don't know what God has done for you and dying for you on the cross and paying the full-blown punishment, of your, punishment for your sins, for my sins, if you don't, if you don't have a good grasp of that, you, you, you will never experience the peace of God in your life. You have to understand God's grace before you can really fully comprehend his peace. And we see that this morning. We'll come, we'll come back to that here in a little bit. So out of all the other pastoral epistles that he wrote, um, they were to individuals, but the character of the content could have been to the church at large. But really, this is a personal letter from Paul to Philemon. So why is it even in God's word? Why, why we even have it in God's word? Well, you know what? It's God's Word. (laughs) It's always impactful in our lives. And if we read it as a personal love letter to us, it will be impactful in your life. Look at what Paul says in verse 4. He goes on to thank the Lord for Philemon. He says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He says, I thank my God. Now, we just, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, right? You know, this past week, you know, maybe hope you guys all had a great time together with family, right? You know, I mean, you didn't really gather, okay? Nobody, okay, we didn't do that, you know. Ixnay on the gathering thing, okay? You know, we didn't, we didn't really do that. It was pretend gathering, it was virtual gathering together to celebrate Thanksgiving, right? You know, um, I, I shared a post uh, online about the original Thanksgiving that really took place in my home state of Virginia. It really took place, the first Thanksgiving took place in Virginia, not, 
Massachusetts to, you know, our history got it wrong, you know. Um, if you look at, I'll share this image up here. It's really, really neat. This is a, a historical marker in, in Virginia where it actually took place on the 4 December 1619, Captain John Woodleaf, a member of the Virginia Company, arrived aboard the ship Margaret with 35 men to char- take charge of Berkeley 100. An experienced former Jamestown settler, he became Berkeley's first governor. He bore instructions that the day of the ship's arrival, notice, be yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. So the first thanksgiving really took place in Virginia, and some even say maybe even a little bit before that, and there was, there's some, again, historical evidence of even in Texas and, and even in Florida where it probably took place before what you hear in Massachusetts and Plymouth Rock, and you know, so you guys know, okay, the Indians didn't dress like that, they didn't have the top funky little black hats on, okay, you know, we have destroyed history with, <laughs> with popular culture, we really have. Be yearly and perpetually kept holy as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. How awesome is that? What are we giving thanks for? What did you give thanks for these past? Oh, man, maybe we, we give thanks for our stuff, right? And then, on good, and, then, and on Black Friday, we go buy more stuff, right? Man, we need to be thankful for what we have. Our thanks should be to God Almighty. And that's what we see Paul doing here. Paul says, I thank my God in verse 4 making mention of you always in my prayers. Paul loved Philemon so much. He was such a beloved brother that he prayed for him. And he prayed for him often, making mention of him in his prayers, it says there. How often do you pray for others? When you're praying, have you ever been praying, you know, and God just pops somebody's name in your, in your conscience? You're like, man, do you know why? He wants you to pray for that person, right? You, you may not know what's going on in their life. You may not know their circumstances. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But you know what? Be faithful and pray for that person. As, he puts, as the Lord puts people on your heart, pray for them. If they're standing in front of you, six feet away, of course, right? Okay. If they're standing in front of you, pray for them. Right then and there, pray for them. Now, don't do that. See, brother, man, I'll be praying for you. I hate that. I cannot stand that. We're called to be prayerful, prayerful people. Pray for people. Here, making mention of you always in my prayers. He's thinking about Philemon always. Making mention of him. Paul In Paul's letters, four of the times, he records that he was praying for people. In Romans 1.9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with the Spirit, in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always, in my prayers, praying for the Roman people. Ephesians 1.16, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Paul, making mention of Philemon in his prayers, making mention really, it, it, it doesn't mean that it was some long, drawn-out prayer about Philemon. Man, Lord, I just want to lift up Philemon to you. I don't know what's going on in his life right now. Lord, you do. Just bless him. Pray for people. As the Lord puts people on your heart, pray for them. Again, you may not know why, but God knows why. God knows what's going on. Notice verse 5. Why? What is, what is he thankful for? Look what he says in verse 5. Hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Paul was thankful for Philemon because he had love and faith, first toward the Lord Jesus Christ, and toward all the saints, toward others. Do you have a love for others? Do you have a love for all the saints? Do you have a love for other people? Man, we should, as believers, we should have that love for others. That should be something that is defining of our Christian characters, of our Christian walk. Why? Because God is love. God is love. Verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which, you, which is in you in Christ Jesus. Paul prayed for Philemon that he desired to continue the sharing of his faith. And that notice that it would become effective. As Philemon understood the work of what God was doing around him, again, that's why I think it is so important to share what is going on in your life with other believers. 
Share Sundays coming up. Remember that? Okay, write that down. We always start off our home fellowship with that, a time of sharing. What has God been doing with you in this, just the past week? What did God share with you from the message on Sunday? What has God been showing you? And just having that share time is so important for us to share our faith with others. Notice that he says here, so that it would become effective, right? It would become effective that we can see what's going on. Again, we can, there is so much stuff that can get our eyes out of focus, get us off focus. So much things that it will distract us from what's going on. You know, man, just watch the news for a little while. You, 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 you want to be like, man, I don't want anything to do with this. Word. Okay. Focus on what the Lord's doing. And the sharing of your faith will become effective. He says, notice that he says also in verse 6, every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. It's important to note here that the real foundation for all effective evangelism is the overflow of a life touched by Jesus Christ. Right? God's done everything in the life of Philemon. It's done, finished. He's still working on his life. And it, no matter how it's been, you know, it, it doesn't matter what's going on. He's still using him in a mighty way to share his faith. Uh, when these good things were understood, others would come to Jesus. Others would come to that saving knowledge. Why? Because of what he's already done in somebody else's life. Understanding the grace of God, right? I mentioned that earlier. Understanding God's grace. Do you really understand God's grace? Do you really understand what he's done for you? Do you really understand why he went to the cross? Do you even understand that you're, you maybe, oh, you need to be saved, bro- brother, you need to be saved. Saved from what? <laughs> Do you even know what you're saved from? You know, a lot of times people don't have an understanding of what they're even being. Yeah, man, I'm saved. What are you saved from? I have no idea, but I'm saved. What? What, what did somebody tell you? <laughs> are we telling people, are we giving people the entire gospel? He says that the sharing of your faith, the sharing here, the word sharing there is, is koinonia. Koinonia. It's also the same word from Acts 2.42. Koinonia, sharing together in things. Do you share not, maybe not just what's going on in your life, but what about material possessions? You know, somebody needs something. Do you, do you share your stuff? Do you share things with other people? Sharing of your faith, sharing of the things God has given you? What about your gifts, your talents, your time, your resources? I mean, Kate and Zach sharing worship this morning. I mean, sharing their gifts and talents. Man, it's so Awesome. I mean, and how timely, how timely these verses are. We're, we're entering to into what? Like the season of giving, right? Well, I mean, season of the fat man in a red coat, maybe, but you know, in, in our culture, right? You know, how, how I got to get something, right? You know, I got to have my list. Here's my list of stuff I want, guys. Make sure you got my list of stuff I want, you know? Man, I think we need to be reminded as believers that our purpose is to give, not get. <laughs> right? To give all to the glory of God, right? Everything we should do, everything we should be doing, it should be to give into other people's life, to sow into other people's lives. Just like, you know, Pastor Tim shared last week in First Timothy, you know, about our Christian work ethic. Well, man, my boss is horrible. Or, so what? You don't serve, you serve the Lord. You serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, if you didn't get a chance to hear that message, you can pull it up on the website and other uh, YouTube or other platforms and stuff. I mean, we have really turned the church in America into what can I get out of it into what can I give? And man, it's such a sad state. I mean, well, what do you have to offer me? What? That's, I, don't, I don't see that in, in Scripture. You know, I was, some of you may know, I was, I was senior pastor at a church plant in Spring Hill, man, about 10 years ago now. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years. Crazy. But, um, I recall, like, getting phone calls or emails and stuff. And, hey, you know, well, I'm thinking about coming to your church, you know. Do you guys have a, a youth group? Oh, okay, all right. Well, do you, guys, do you guys have a singles that minister that are under 18? What? What? Well, what do you guys do for fun? I was like, what? I'm telling you, these are some of the questions and emails and phone calls I would get. You know, and, and we had the church there for about five years. You know, as a whole time, I think I had one phone call that I vaguely, that I can really recall. The guy says, hey, I'm thinking about bringing my family to your church. Do you teach the word of God? 
I was like, wow. I was like, thank you, Lord, for this phone call. Somebody who actually asked, do you teach the word of God? We have turned the church in America into entertainment. And the first question should be, when you go to a church, do they teach the word of God? Are they discipling you from God's word? If they're not, I mean, prayerfully, maybe you need to leave. (laughs) Are they teaching the entire word of God? Or maybe it's just some of the cool stuff, right? You know, the good things, right? Health, wealth, and prosperity, right? I mean, who wouldn't want that? I mean, are we teaching the entire counsel of God, cover to cover? I'm so thankful that Pastor Tim, you know, and, and, and Pastor Mike, man, it's such an honor and a blessing to serve alongside these guys and, and men that value and highly esteem the Word of God as they do. I'm so thankful that Tim, I mean, faithfully brings the Word every Sunday and divides it so that we can understand it at a teachable level. Man, pray for that. Pray for Pastor Tim as he's preparing the word of, for the Word to bring forth the Word of God. I mean, it's so awesome. I mean, that's what I love about Calvary. We go, we go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Guess what? So you can't skip over stuff. <laughs> so you can't, well, I'm not teaching that. Man, that is, I'm going to lose, half, I'm gonna lose half, the, half the congregation if I teach that one, you know? Teach on money? Wait a minute. Well, <laughs> some people teach on money every Sunday. I don't know. I mean, they just, I don't know. <laughs> we usually teach on money when it comes up in Scripture, <laughs> you know? Man, we make sure we want to make sure that we strive to bring you the entire counsel of God, the stuff that we love to hear, the promises of God. But you know what? It's it's beneficial for us too to hear the hard stuff, the stuff that challenges us, the stuff that you know really pricks our heart and convicts us. You know, some people. I'm not going back to that church, man. They they must they must have known I was coming. I mean. I, I talked to that pastor earlier this week, and then he taught something on me. I'm not, I'm not going back there again. <laughs> oh, what? We're getting to the heart here of the letter as we see Paul, Paul's heart to Philemon. And he's going to bring this plea, saying, look, Philemon, I need you to forgive Onesimus. He's now a dear brother to us in, in the Lord. So let's, let's look at that in verse 8. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my son, Omnisimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and me. So it's very clear Paul wants to ask a favor of him. He's going to Ask him, he's kind of buttering him up a little bit here, you know, for love's sake, you know, instead of making a command. I mean, usually it's better to give like a loving appeal to somebody, you know, than an authoritative command. You don't, you don't believe me? I mean, try that with your spouse, okay? See how well that works out for you. Just let me know, okay? Yeah. Try to command something, okay? Yeah, that doesn't, doesn't go over very well, okay? <laughs> Paul was not hesitant in, in commanding when the situation you know, was right and demanded it, but he knew here that this loving appeal to Philemon was a much better approach. And he's asking for Philemon's sympathies. Now again, keeping it in context, keeping it in, in our mindset of in the time when Paul and Philemon and Onesimus' time, you know, for us, you know, thankfully, you know, slavery's abolished, right? And, you know, we still think we have problems with all these things, right? <laughs> we'll come back to that, but really what we have a problem with is the heart of man. But during their time, if a slave left, man, he was as good as dead. <laughs> they could kill him, crucify him. And here, Paul is really kind of buttering Philemon up. Hey, before I really tell you what I need from you, notice he even says there, he's like, man, I'm an old man, come on, and a prisoner at that. Let's have some compassion here, man. Come on, I'm an old guy. Help me out here. I can relate more and more to Paul every day on that kind of stuff, you know. Help me out, you know. You ever said that to your kids? Help your old man out. Come on, you know. <laughs> and again, it seems when Omnisimus escaped, he fled to Rome, and he has this encounter 
with, with Paul, and Paul's, again, he's under house arrest, and, but he comes, he comes together with Onesimus, and if you, if, if you ever get put in prison with the Apostle Paul, somehow you're getting saved, okay? I don't know. Somehow you're going to hear the gospel, okay? You're not getting away from that guy without hearing the gospel. And notice that he's tell, he says that. Look in verse 10. He says, whom I have begotten, notice, while in my chains. Didn't matter what was going on in Paul's life. Didn't matter that he was imprisoned. He still made this appeal to Onesimus about the gospel, presenting the gospel to him, and he became a brother in Christ. He became uh, he, he got saved. Paul led him to the Lord. Again, Greek law said, hey, you can kill this guy. You know, you can kill him. Um, but uh, even under the Greek law, too, it's really interesting that the escaped slave, the only place they could really find sanctuary is at the altar, right? <laughs> so again, the altar, uh, a home church, Paul in his house arrest, can't leave his home, so that's now his church. Somehow, Omnisipus got put into his protection and put under the authority of, of Paul. So, I mean, it's, it's really neat to see how, can you, again, can you imagine that, getting locked up with Paul? I mean, every time he was in prison, I mean, people got saved. I mean, <laughs> the guards, I mean, you were going to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ from that guy. Can, can that be said of you this morning? Man, I mean, all, all that guy does is talk about Jesus. I mean, all that guy does is talk about Jesus Christ. Paul, all he did was sing. You know, he sang when he was in prison. He's in prison. He's in a horrible place, and he's singing about this guy. How can that happen? Can that be said of you this morning that, man, all he does is talk about Jesus Christ? Or is it the opposite of that? Oh, you're, you're a Christian? Man, I had no idea. Ooh. Man, we need to be careful. With what we are doing, we are temple of the Holy Spirit walking around. We, you may be the only Jesus somebody ever sees. What are you showing them? Paul continues to describe Omnisibus here. Look at verse 11. He says, who was once unprofitable to you, but is now profitable. It's kind of neat. He's kind of using a play on, on names here. Omnisibus really translated means means profitable. That's what the guy's name means. He's like, you remember that guy, you know, the guy, you know, his name was profitable? You know, he was unprofitable, but now he's profitable. You know, huh? yeah, that's basically what he's saying in the original language. That's what he's telling him. He's like, hey, why is, this, why is he now profitable? Because he's a believer. He got, he's a, he got saved. Again, he got saved. He is now going to send him back to Philemon and tell him, hey, you know what? This guy is of a benefit to me, to the kingdom, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 12, he says, I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in chains for the gospel. So Paul is saying that, hey, I'm going to send him back to you, therefore receive him. Paul's plea, the whole point of this letter, his plea to him is to say, you know what, Philemon, you need to forgive this guy. Even though you have every right to crucify him, to kill him, to get what he stole from you back, I mean, now it's time to set it right, not in man's eyes, in God's eyes. We need to set this right in God's eyes. Paul obviously wanted Philemon to deal gently with him, right? He didn't want him to just kill him. And here, Paul, again, he's under house arrest, can't leave, so he gives this letter to Omnisimus to take back to uh, Philemon in Colossae, saying, look, here's my letter. Please read this for a minute <laughs> before, imagine that. You know, there's no email, there's no text messages. He had to carry this letter with him. Man, I bet he held on to that thing with dear life. <laughs> His life was in the hands of that letter. Considering the huge number of slaves, you know, Pastor Tim shared with us a little bit um, uh, in, in the message last, last week about um, under the Roman Empire, there was probably somewhere as many as 60 million slaves in, in the Roman Empire. I mean, they were, they were always fear of 
revolt, uprising. And I mean, they were always very strict with slaves. So much so that even when a slave, if a slave was captured, um, that he may later be crucified. If not, they sometimes branded him with a red hot iron with a big F on his forehead to indicate that he was a fugitive. Man, talk about what could be happening to him if he loses this letter. Man, considering all that, you now understand Paul's heart here. He says, that is, receive him as my own heart, as he says there at the end of verse 12. Paul's basically saying, look, Philemon, I know this man has done you wrong. I know this guy stole from you and he deserves punishment. But consider him for just a moment from my own heart and be merciful to him. Forgive him even as much as the Lord has forgiven you. How much has the Lord forgiven you this morning? Are you holding a grudge against somebody today? Are you holding something against somebody today? And be, be very careful with that. How much has the Lord forgiven you? We should not be holding grudges against other people. And Paul here is just showing his character and his love for Omnisimus and saying, look, man, I want you. He's, he even told him, he goes, I want to keep him. I love this guy so much. I want to keep him. I'm going to return him to you because that's what I'm supposed to do. But he's like, man, I love this guy so much. I want to hang on to him. And he wanted him to stay because he was such a big help now that he was a, a believer. And he says there in verse 14, but without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. So Paul is making his appeal here. Um, again, he didn't really want to leave this decision alone up to himself. He's like, Philemon, you make the decision based on what the Lord is telling you to do. And isn't that, what, man, isn't that awesome that the Lord does that? He gives us the freedom to make the decisions on our own. He's not beating us down and commanding us, do this, do this, or else, you know. Do this because you love the Lord. You know, we get to serve the Lord. We get to serve the Lord. It's not, it's not a punishment. It's not a burden. It's not something that's hard. It, 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 is walking in your Christian life hard? Yeah, it is. But you know what? We get to serve the Lord. We get to do this. It is such a privilege. Oh, man, I have to read my Bible today. No, no, no. You get to read your Bible today. You get to read the Word of God today. That's right. Paul explains to him, you know, how God's hand is, is, is providential in all this. Look at verse 15. For perhaps, Paul's saying, for perhaps he, Omnisiphus, departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? So he departed for a while. You know, it's true. Onesimus, he did depart. He did flee. He did leave, you know. Paul sending him back based on what was customary by law. But he departed for a while. You know, I like how Paul uses it. He, Paul was excellent in his, his writing and his language. He, he departed for a little while. It doesn't sound as bad as this. He, was, he escaped as a slave after he stole something from you, you know. He says, for perhaps he departed for a little while for this purpose. And as horrible as it may seem as the event of him escaping and stealing from Philemon, and I mean, he's depriving him of, a, of an asset of a slave and a worker, being criminal to the point that he, he, most people believe he stole something from him. Again, subject to the death penalty. Man, in all that, Paul ignores all that. And he says, you know what? This whole thing, the purpose of all this, maybe God had a reason to bring him here so that he could get saved. So that I could share the gospel with him. Have you ever thought about that? You think about the circumstances that led up to your salvation, if you're a believer this morning? Have you, have you ever thought about that? For perhaps... All this had to happen so that Paul could share the love of Jesus Christ with Omnisimus? Man, have you thought about that? Have you thought about, like, you know, I do. I mean, I do sometimes. Do you ever think about the people that led you to the Lord? Do you ever think about the guys or the gals that took the time to invest in you and to share the truth and love of Jesus Christ? Man, I'll never forget the guy, some of those guys in college that, that shared with me 
about the foundations of the, the of, I mean, I was raised in the church, and I didn't get it. <laughs> I knew all about the Lord, Christmas and Easter, Jesus. Woo, yeah, all right. But, man, there was no, there was no relationship. And so, man, this guy, he says, man, do you have a relationship with the Lord? I looked at him like he, he had four eyes, man. I'm like, what are you talking about? Maybe Paul, Paul's saying here, consider just, just for a minute, Philemon, consider for a minute, maybe this is what the Lord had planned all along. A lot of times we are praying for people in our lives, you know, maybe family members, friends, Oh, Lord, get them out of that situation. Get them in. Get, Lord, do, do, Lord, maybe God's got them there for a reason. You know, some, some people need to hit rock bottom before they're, you know, before they're at that place and their heart is ready to be moldable and shapeable, you know? This, again, this whole thing we see here, it's really breaking, what Paul is doing, he's breaking the distinction between a master and a slave. And he's, he's saying that, man, this guy is your brother. This guy is your brother in Christ. He's been transformed by Jesus Christ. And really, I mean, the transformed life of a believer in Jesus Christ, I mean, that, that's really what is key. I know Tim shared that last week, you know. That's really what's going to change our society. Not more laws about slavery or Whatever. I mean, not more laws about, you know, killing unborn things, right? I mean, not, none of that stuff. Laws don't change things. Jesus Christ changing the hearts of men is what changes, is what changes things. And we need that more than ever right now in our country for God to get out and change the hearts of men and women that are serving our country that are serving our society. That's what needs to happen. True reformation happens in the hearts of men when they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to see Paul's personal promise of restitution and forgiveness here for you know, as he talks with Philemon. Look at verse 17. He says, If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that, I owe, <laughs> that you owe me, even as your own self decides. He says, count me as a partner. Receive him as you would receive me. Paul is standing beside Omnisimus, requesting mercy and forgiveness from Philemon. He's saying... Treat him as you would me. I'm going to send him back to you. Treat him as you would me. Have you had, had, ever had that happen in your life where, you know, somebody you know, that you knew before they came to the Lord, man, maybe they wronged you. Maybe they did something wrong and they, they hurt you. Maybe they hurt you deeply, but then, then you find out that they got saved. You're like, no way, Lord, no way did that guy get saved. There's no way that guy, I'm not forgiving that guy, that guy, no way. That's probably what's kind of going on. Paul's anticipating that what, what, what might be going on in Philemon's heart. Man, he's saying, look, you, this guy may be as guilty as all day long, you know, as you being a, a, a slave owner. He's like, I know this guy is a criminal, but you know what? Forgive him, even as Christ forgave you. Man, that's what the Lord does for us, right? No matter how bad, no matter how, no matter how much you think you have done wrong, and you, you're not out of reach of what God can do in your life. People that we know that we've been praying for, you know, they're, they're not far, they're, they're not out of God's reach. I mean, every time someone comes to the Lord, I mean, regardless of the transfer, it's, it's a miracle that takes place in that person's life. I mean, there were people that probably said, Man, you're a pastor now? What? Dude. I hung out with you when we were teenagers. <laughs> Something happened in that guy's life, man, I'm telling you. you know, I knew who that guy was. <laughs> Notice what he says but he, in verse 18. He says, but if he has wronged you or owes you anything, what is he? he says, you know what? Put it on my account. Put it on my tab. Man, what a beautiful picture we have of the gospel here. 
everything you have done, everything I have done, or will do, Jesus said, put it on my tab. I paid for that. I paid for that on the cross at Calvary. It's a done deal. I paid for that. Paul says, put it on my account. Again, just making that image, the picture of the gospel. I just love that. Paul says in verse 19, he says, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay. Paul is so serious about this that, I mean, he, in, in this letter, he basically gives a personal IOU. You know, it was, back in this day, if you were to put that in a letter or in writing, that was as good as your signature on a legal document, okay? You know, you go buy a home and you, you sign your name until you have carpal tunnel or something, you know? I mean, that was just as good. I mean, he's like, hey, I'm writing this with my own hand. I'll repay. You know, whatever this guy owes you, I'll repay it. Don't worry about it. Don't, he says, you know, I like what he says there in 19. He goes, not to mention... <laughs> By the way, you know, <laughs> while we're bringing up the subject of who owes stuff, <laughs> you kind of owe me as well. So it's probably Paul just kind of bringing up, bringing up to Philemon, just a reminder that, hey, you know what, Philemon, you know, I remember leading you to the Lord. I remember telling you about Jesus Christ, and I remember telling you, uh, you know, about what he did for you, you know. Just a reminder of what the Lord's done in your life. Love that he brings that in there. Paul could have really afford to pay for this debt <laughs> because he knew, uh, and Philemon had that picture there of what happened with him and Paul um, in, in his own is his own salvation there. So again, I'm not again I'm not sure. I mean, maybe maybe you guys know. again. I think back to the people that led me to the Lord. I'm like, man, I'm so thankful that the Lord allowed those people to be impactful in my life. So don't think for a minute that you know. Maybe you're sharing with the Lord. You've been sharing with the Lord for a long time. <laughs> You've been sharing in somebody's life. Man, don't think for a minute that those times are not being impactful. Continue to share. Continue to love on those people. Don't, don't ever, ever quit. And, may, and you may never see the, the salvation take place in that person's life. You may never get to see that. We're not promised that we get to see that. That's, just, that's between them and the Lord anyway. But you know what? Man, don't stop. Keep sharing love in, into other people's lives. And again, it, it may be that just that one time that you're sharing with somebody that, man, they, that, that's what tr that their heart gets transformed right in front of you. But we're not always promised that we're going to see that. We're going to wrap it up. Paul's, Paul's confidence here, we see, look at verse 20. He says, yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your own obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Paul's saying, refresh my heart in the Lord. You remember earlier in the letter, Paul said that Philemon was a man who uh, did that. You know, he, he refreshed the hearts of the saints in verse 7. Now, he specifically is telling Philemon how he can refresh Paul's heart right now. Refresh my heart by allowing Omnismus to stay knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul's letter is more than just a plea or an appeal. It was also full of hope. Philemon was not uh, bad or a, a harsh man, and Paul already kind of knew this. He's like, hey, you know, fulfill your Christian duty. Um, fulfill your, the, the love of Christ by forgiving him. He also says, uh, I like that he puts this in here, Paul, man, he was such an optimist about what the Lord could do. Look at verse 22. He says, but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. I mean, this shows, again, the close relationship between Paul and Philemon, but Paul always knew that wherever he was going, I mean, hospitality was always his mindset, fellowship, hanging out together. This also shows Paul's confidence in that the Lord's going to deliver him out of prison, you know, he's still under Roman imprisonment, in, in his, in, and he's like, hey, you know what? Prepare a room for me. I'm coming, you know. I, I'm coming. I know that the Lord's going to allow me to get out of here. He says, I trust, in verse 22, that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Don't stop praying for other people. Paul wanted Philemon to pray. He didn't want him to stop praying for Paul. He didn't want him to stop praying for his imprisonment and the situations that he was going through. Again, shows Paul's confidence that he has in the power 
of prayer. So do you pray? Man, don't, don't take prayer lightly. Don't take prayer lightly. When we have prayer meetings, show up. Expect big things out of our big God. Be praying for others, asking for prayer. Man, if you're dealing with something, don't, oh man, I don't want anybody to know what's going on in my life. Man, there's nothing new under the sun. The Word, the word of God tells us there's nothing new. Oh, that's what Satan does. He whispers in our ear, oh, don't tell them that because, man, they, they, they've never seen that one before. You know, <laughs> you're the only one probably dealing with that. You know, you don't want, you don't want to bring that up. No, be praying for others. Be praying, asking for prayer. Because as we see Paul here, Paul trusts in the power of prayer. And then Paul wraps up the, this letter here to Philemon with a common uh, closing here about praying for his other friends. Epaphras, he says, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. Again, fellow laborers in Christ. Again, all these things are, just show that, you know, Philemon was in Coloss, you know, Colossae, where Colossians, where the church in Colossians was at. Um, he, this, he says, my fellow prisoner, literally a prisoner of war being used here metaphorically. You know, we're in a battle, guys. We are soldiers for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are out there. We're in the game. You know, we, as, as believers, we should not be bench warmers, okay? We should be in the game, out there, in the battle. You know, he, he, even though, you know, sometimes we sit in pews in church, you know, he never intended us to just be pew sitters. <laughs> he intended us to be in the game, serving him. Earlier on, Paul said one other thing in, in his letter. Again, it was about Archippus in verse 2 there, right? He's, he calls him our fellow soldier too. Again, fellow soldier in Jesus Christ. And we were praying this morning about, when we were praying for the service this morning, um, someone, someone prayed about putting on the full armor of God. You guys know that from, look it up later in Ephesians 6. Putting on the full armor of God. We are in a battle. We are in a battle and we need to be prepared as believers. Don't just, don't just take lightly what's going on in your life. And we're in a battle for souls. You know, don't, don't take that lightly. Get in the game. And maybe, maybe you, you, you know, you're just sitting on the sidelines. You don't feel like you're engaged. Get engaged. Say, Lord, forgive me. I've been kind of slothful here. Lord, I want to get engaged. Fill me and use me. And guess what? He will. He will. He'll use you. Again, Paul never called for Paul and all through Scripture. We see he never, we never intended for people to just be sitting in pews and not doing anything as believers. We have a call. All of us have a call on our life to serve him and go and proclaim the good news to those around us. It's not just Pastor Tim's job to share the word of God with other people. That's our job as, as believers, to share the truth about Jesus Christ. It's our job as the church to share, as being the body of Christ, the church, right? How many, how many churches are in Columbia? There's, oh, a ton, right? No, there's one. There's one church in Columbia. There's one church in Tennessee. There's one church in this world. It's the church of Jesus Christ, okay? It doesn't matter what title's out front. We're the body of Christ. We need to start acting like it. We need to go and do what we're called to do. Greatest societal changes will come because people's lives are being changed by Jesus Christ, one heart at a time. Again, in our society, you know, racism, I mean, a, a, a low regard for unborn children, I mean, that, that stuff cannot be eliminated by laws. It may hinder it, right? You know, how well are gun laws working in keeping hands, guns out of hands of criminals? Right. We need more laws because criminals obey laws. If they, if they eliminated Roe v. Wade tomorrow, people will still have abortions. People with hearts changed by Jesus Christ will not have abortions. Okay? Has to be a change in the heart of mankind. This change can only come from a life that has been changed by Jesus Christ. Onesimus, we see here this morning, the beautiful picture, a slave 
And his life was changed because he came in contact with, with Paul. Man, this letter should remind us that, you know, again, most Christians, you, again, you may be the only person that they see, ever see, or get a chance to hear about Jesus Christ. Don't ever take for a moment, or don't ever think for a minute that, you know, and, and be slothful to the point, what, what I mean, don't, don't ever think for a moment that uh, somebody else will share with him. No, if the Lord is telling you to say something to the guy in front of you at Walmart, say something to him. Speak. The the word tells us to open your mouth. Man, I don't know what's going to come out. So what? God does. (laughs) God knows what's going to come out of your mouth. Share. We are so fearful of sharing right now, it seems. We need to be sharing. When somebody has wronged you, just like we see here with the relationship between Philemon and uh, Onesimus, when somebody has wronged you, you know what? Be that new creation in Christ and forgive them. Forgive them. You know, th- again, this is something that, you know, Pastor Tim has really been sharing and, and really pushing a lot here lately that we, as, the, as the church, we have done a horrible job with this. We have done a horrible job with restitution and restoration. Even in our own body, people sitting on opposite sides of, I'm not going to talk to that guy. He said something to me I didn't like. Man, even when restitution is difficult, it's still required by Scripture. It's required. Don't, Don't allow that to continue as a believer. You're a new creation in Christ. Omnisibus, I mean, he was morally responsible. He, he, was, he was responsible for what he did wrong, right? But this letter directed to Philemon from Paul demonstrates that, you know what? It doesn't matter what our background is. It doesn't matter what the law says we're allowed to do. It doesn't matter whether we're rich, whether we're poor. It doesn't matter what. We are required to do what God's word says. What does God's word say? Let's follow what God's word says. Later on, um, I, found, I found some stuff that was really interesting about Omnisibus later on. It was written in some other documents that Omnisibus later became a pastor and, and a bishop in Ephesus. And most commentators, most people believe it was this same guy, Omnisibus, that became a leader of a church in Ephesus. So don't think for a minute God can't use you because of your past. Don't think for a minute that God can't use you because of your current situation. He can use anybody. I mean, he can use anybody. And he's, he's taken this letter back to Philemon, and man, he has no idea what the Lord has in store for him. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you don't have any idea what the Lord has in store for you. Man, be on your face. Pray for the Lord to show you how, how and where to serve, what to do. I mean, he is a personal God. I mean, he can tell other people, right? And then you can share with somebody, hey, this is what I feel like the Lord's telling me to share with you. But he's a personal God, you know? He'll tell you. <laughs> Ask. He will tell you. you Maybe you're, hey, brother, you know, hey, I, f- I feel like you, man, the Lord's telling me you're going to be a missionary. Okay, great. You know, don't you think God would tell me also? He hasn't really shared that with me yet, but okay. He'll tell you. He's a personal God. He wants you to be in a personal relationship with him and maybe that's you this morning or maybe you're online i mean if if you've never heard that maybe that's kind of a foreign term to you that personal relationship what are you talking about you mean the god of the universe the god who created everything wants to have a relationship with me yes he does he wants to have a personal relationship with you he paid the full-blown penalty for your sins for mine you know that's what the lord that's what the word tells us that we are sinners and we need a savior, because one day he's coming back to judge, and he's going to judge, not not based on according to man. He's going to judge according to his word. He's going to judge according to what's in his word, and without him, you're going to stand guilty before him. So if that's you this morning, I mean, or you're online, I mean, you can call or email the church. We'd love to connect with you. To be, we'll be down here to pray. Uh, afterwards with you, uh, if you have anything, uh, prayer requests, 
Uh, again, you can also use these Connect cards as prayer requests. Fill them out, put them in the box. We'd love to be praying for you as a body. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We thank you, Father God, as the, the picture that we saw today, Lord, of restoration and, and forgiveness and, Lord, how um, you love that restoration to take place in people's lives. Father, I, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you are about restoration and not about division, Lord, not about anger and keeping people apart, Lord. You're about restoring relationships. So, Father, I pray um, even now, Lord, if there's those out there today, Lord, that don't have that personal relationship with you, that don't know you personally on a personal level and what you have done for them, Father, that I pray that you would just minister to them now. Lord, if they're online, I pray that they will reach out, Lord, or even here today, Lord, that you will not, people will not leave without coming and, and, and sharing with us. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, Lord, that even though this letter was a personal letter from Paul to Philemon, Father, I thank you for using it today to speak to us. And Lord, again, I, as we started off today, Lord, in prayer, Lord, I pray that we can take your word out of here, Father God, and, and apply it to our lives. Lord, maybe there's um, situations and people that you've put on our heart today, Lord, that we need to, maybe we call them and maybe we need to set some things right um, as, as according to what your word says. So, Father, if that's the case, Lord, I pray that we're obedient to your word. Lord, pour out your spirit upon each and every person here today, Lord, that we can go out of here in might and power, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with everyone we come in contact with. As we know, uh, time, time is short as we look around. Lord, uh, let us not grow weary in doing good, and let us not lose heart with everything that we see going on around us. We love you, Lord, and thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more studies through the word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's word.